Newsletter, July 2021. Why I use Placid as houses. There are many different schools of thought in astrology. Strange as it may seem, in the right hands, all of them seem to work, even the ones that contradict each other. Western tropical astrology versus Vedic astrology is perhaps the classic illustration. Those two systems can't even agree on where Aries is. Now, I think of myself as a Capricorn, but in Benares, I am transformed into a Sagittarian. It's confusing, but I like to keep the word versus out of the discussion as much as possible. Both systems, Western and Vedic, can help people. Both can illuminate the mystery we call human life. Reading an astrological chart is not linear and logical like reading a newspaper or a column of figures. I always despair when someone asks if I can take a quick glance at their chart. There is no such thing as a quick glance. Deciphering the message of the planets is a lot more like interpreting a dream or a poem. There is more than one right way to make sense of it, in other words. The last time I had a reading myself, it was actually with a Vedic astrologer. That was quite intentional. I knew that if I asked an evolutionary astrologer to look at my chart, my ego would get in the way. I would be too busy correcting the person to learn anything, but Vedic, I know almost nothing about it. So I was able to simply listen. It was helpful, so long as I focused on the plain English of what the astrologer was saying and ignored the discordant astrological language. Me, a a Sagittarian? Mr. Work-all-the-time Capricorn? Forget about it. Anyway, I am writing all of this because in this newsletter, I am going to jump into one of the bloodiest shark tanks in the whole chaotic, contentious astrological community, the question of which house system to use. There are at least a dozen different ways of laying out the houses of a chart, maybe even more. When I was a young astrologer, I tried as many of them as I could find, naturally always using my own chart and the realities of my own experience as the acid test. Very little in astrology is ever totally clear-cut. Again, a chart is more like a dream than a computer manual. But during those early years, Placidus houses won the battle for my heart and my mind. I have used them ever since successfully with thousands upon thousands of clients over the past 50 years. Nowadays, I rarely even consider other systems. That said, I am miles away from being a house system fundamentalist. I respect the work of many astrologers who operate in different frameworks. As Robert Hand once quipped, which is truer, French or German? Obviously, one can lie in either language or illuminate us all with the nectar of truth. That said, In my old apprenticeship programs and in my current online school, the Forest Center for Evolutionary Astrology, I do insist on everyone using the Placidus system. That is mainly so that we're all speaking the same language. In those programs, I am narrowly focused on teaching my own system rather than giving a cross-cultural overview of the wide world of contemporary astrological practice. It's a trade school, not a university. I am unclear about the ratio of diplomacy to truth in what I'm about to say. I know there's some of both in the mix. 
When challenged about my adherence to Placidus houses, I often say that of all the house systems I have tried, Placidus seems to be the one which best answers the questions in which I am interested. And not all astrologers are interested in the same questions. Personally, I am eternally drawn to wondering about how the soul's journey through life casts a shadow on our psychological processes, how soul and psyche mirror each other. I am interested in helping people grow, both psychologically and spiritually. The Placidus system addresses those kinds of evolutionary issues eloquently and reliably. On the other hand, I am not drawn to questions about money or when will I get married or which horse will win the race. I, I don't do anything with medical astrology. I am not interested in the stock market. Maybe other house systems would do better in those areas. I just don't know. Technically, the Placidus system is actually easy to explain. Most, but not all, systems of house division rely on the eastern and western horizons, the ascendant descendant, plus the meridian, the line connecting the noon point and the midnight point. These are the familiar four angles of the birth chart, and there's nothing controversial about their locations, sunrise, sunset, noon, and midnight. The intervening house cusps are the ones over which astrologers tend to squabble. Here's how Placidus works. Start your stopwatch at sunrise. Stop it when the sun reaches the highest point it will reach in the sky that day. That's the midheaven and roughly corresponds to high noon. Now, how long a period of time elapsed, sunrise and noon? In average terms, the answer will run about six hours, but that figure varies enormously with the seasons. So go ahead and start with the idea of six hours. Where was the sun after two of those hours had passed? That's your 12th house cusp. Two more hours? That's the 11th house cusp. Once you've got houses 12 and 11 nailed down, you already know 6 and 5 because they're always directly opposite 12 and 11. If your 12th house starts in the middle of Cancer, your 6th house starts in the middle of Capricorn. In other words, now time the passage of the sun from high noon down to sunset. Do the same equal division of time and you've got the rest of the Placidian house cusps. That's it really. The only complication is that, as we mentioned, the sunrise to noon figure is not always six hours. In winter, for example, the daylight hours are shorter, the days are shorter. Depending on where you live, uh, there may only be sunlight for, say, 10 hours. That means it will not take as long for the sun to reach its highest elevation and go down again, but you still calculate Placidus houses in exactly the same way. You are simply trisecting the time it takes for the sun to pass through each quadrant of the chart. Each one-third of that time marks a house cusp. The math may be a little tricky, but the basic concept is, as you can see, really, really simple. Astrologer Anthony Lewis makes the point that Placidus houses represented something really prescient in that they anticipated the Einsteinian notion of a space-time continuum. With Placidus houses, we are talking about the geometry of space-time 
rather than just the three-dimensional geometry of space alone. Lewis also points out that the origins of the Placidus system are truly ancient. I'll give you the quick version of that history here, but if you want to learn more, just Google these four words, Anthony Lewis House Systems, and Lewis is L-O-U-I-S, that spelling of Lewis. As you'll discover, Anthony Lewis is a true scholar, but one with the gift of writing clearly while never trying to impress anyone with erudite obfuscation. Uh, I, I really appreciate all that he has contributed to the uplifting of modern astrological discourse. Anyway, let's get to the quick version of the long history behind Placidus' houses. We start by going back to the city of Alexandria in Egypt in the 2nd century AD. There we find Ptolemy, often viewed as the father of Western astrology. He wrote his famous Tetrabiblios, which includes the method of house calculation, which later, after following a winding road, as you'll see, came to be known as the Placidus system. So the system goes back at least that far, 2nd century AD, although it is obscure where Ptolemy himself got the ideas behind it. The Placidus system may be much older. Now, skip forward some centuries, add the Dark Ages to the mixture, and, and we come to the work of an astrologer known as Regio Montanus. He was born Johannes Müller von Königsberg. He was a mathematician and astronomer living in Germany in the 15th century. According to Anthony Lewis, Regio Montanus misread or misunderstood Ptolemy and created a system of house division based on errors of translation. Regio Montanus houses soon became the dominant system all across Europe, 15th century. Meanwhile, back in the 11th century, in Muslim Spain, a Jewish scholar, Ibn Ben Ezra, had correctly understood Ptolemy's work and had written about it in Hebrew, which few people outside the Jewish community could read. Finally, we enter an Olavitan monk named Placidus de Titus, who was a 17th century professor of mathematics, physics, and astronomy at the University of Pavia in what is now Italy. Unlike Regio Montanus, he read Ibn Ben Ezra's take on Ptolemy correctly, published his work, and thus the so-called Placidus house system burst upon the Western world under a misleading name and about a millennium and a half after Ptolemy had first written about it. Now, bad astrological theory can thrive in astrological discussion groups but it fails miserably and painfully in the counseling room. Sitting with clients, talking about their charts, if you say something they know simply does not fit their reality, it is painfully awkward for both them and yourself. And of course, if you say something that moves them or ignites the light bulb of insight over their heads, it's an uplifting experience for the astrologer as well as for the client. That was as true in the 17th century as it is today. Bottom line, Placidus houses worked better than Regiomontanus houses, and so Placidus soon took over. 
there are many other systems of house division, Coke and Morinus and Porphyry and Alcabicius. Again, I am not a fundamentalist about any of this. I just know that Placidus houses have served my clients and myself very well for a long time. More importantly, they have been around for a couple of thousand years and they have stood the test of time. Are they the final answer? Is there a final answer? I have no idea. But one problem is that in common with many systems, Placidus houses break down at extreme northerly or southerly latitudes. Just think of the land of the midnight sun. Where there is no sunset, how can there be a descendant? Where the sun never rises, as in the depths of the Arctic winter, how can there be a midheaven? Perhaps some genius, not yet born, will answer these questions and come up with a better house system, studying the lives of Finns and Laplanders and Inuit people might be the path to the answer. Some astrologers use equal houses. Again, bless us one and all. But personally, I just don't like that floating midheaven. We have a little island of 10th house energy floating around in the 9th house. It's just too sloppy for me. Then there are whole sign houses, where if you have Gemini rising, then anything in Gemini is in your first house. Anything in Cancer is in your second house, and, and, and so on. Uh, these are, are the heart of, of the Hellenistic system, which has experienced a, a rebirth in popularity over the past 20 years or so. My friend Chris Brennan has done brilliant and popular work spearheading that resurgence. As I have already emphasized, I, I think that many distinct forms of astrology can all contradict each other and still all produce helpful results, just as there might be several helpful interpretations of the same dream. I know I've said that a few times, but it bears repetition. But give me a timed ascendant, and I'm a lot happier. I, I see a lot of difference, personally, between a planet in the 12th house and one in the 1st house, even if they are both in Gemini. Saying this will get me in a world of trouble, but personally, I think that whole sign houses were a brilliant workaround regarding a serious practical problem the astrologers of antiquity faced. They didn't know what time it was. They had no clocks. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I speak Placidus, that's the system I use, and that's what I teach. It has never failed me, except with births at extreme latitudes. I happily encourage newcomers to astrology to give it a try and see if it speaks to them. Ultimately, though, the true test is always your own heart and your own experience. Thank you.